Welcome back. Chase and Josh here from Factor Fantasy, and we are continuing our epic Harry Potter arc today. Uh, last week we introduced the arc and let everyone know that this is going to be the series we're going to cover from now until the end of 2020. And uh, we started out with the Sorcerer's Stone and we uh, basically followed an outline of, of five key points uh, being the major moments in the book and movies, the foreshadowed events that occur, the uh, potential plot holes and discrepancies that both Chase and I found. Then we went over our list of top five magical creatures you can find in Sorcerer's Stone before we ended up with the interesting facts where Chase really detailed a lot about the history of Quidditch and where it came from to where it is today. I went into a couple of the uses of dragon blood. I talked a little bit about the um, Miravera said, as well as the centaurs and their major prediction foreshadow that happens in the Forbidden Forest in uh, Sorcerer's Stone. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to close out Sorcerer's Stone by really detailing the major differences between the book and the movie. <laughs> yeah, man. Good stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, last week was great. You got to find out a lot of uh, details that most people that just run through the movies or run through the books, you really don't get to pick up and notice. So, yeah, today we're really going to definitely highlight um, just like you were saying, those differences, even if those differences are tough to kind of pick out. So, yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and uh, dive right into it. Good stuff. Yeah, and to, yeah, to your point about that, too, it's like, obviously, we all know that when you have a book and you have a movie, you can't make it exactly the same. So there's always going to be like those small differences. But there's some things that were just plain left out that were really cool in the book. Uh, we're going to go into all of them here shortly. But for me, uh, you know, I, I'm, I guess I'm always that kind of person that thinks the books are better than the movies as it is. But I, I just really remember as a kid, I really thought the movies were great. Now going back and watching this first movie, you know, at the age I am now, I'm like, wow, man, my, my taste has really come a long way. Or, or like, you know, I just didn't pay attention <laughs> to anything as a kid, right? I, you know, but I guess that's part of the magic of, you know being a kid and seeing everything with fresh eyes and then growing and then, you know, maturing and seeing things from a different perspective. So it's kind of the beauty of life. And uh, yeah, man, let, let's go ahead and, and give it to him, bro. Yeah, man. Let's let's uh, get into it. You want to take it away from here? Sure. Uh, you know, the, the first, this is, see, this is a tough thing too for me because like, I don't know if the movie did this on purpose or not, but the very first difference that I detailed was flat out like the characterization of Aunt Petunia and Dudley like in the books they're blonde in the movies they are not blonde <laughs> like it's, that, yeah, that's, that's specifically really stated yeah like it's very specifically stated like that uh, they are both blonde and neither of them are and you know what I think that's a good point like in terms of the casting let's talk about that for a second too what the difference is is like I think they did the three main characters justice in terms of casting them, but there is a lot of the supporting characters that I was like, I'm not sure that that's a great casting choice. For example, Uncle Vernon. In my head, when I was reading the book, he looked nothing like that like guy that they put as Uncle Vernon. What about you? What did you feel about that? Yeah, no, I remember even as a kid when I first read this, um, before the movie came out, even, really even the main I got used to the main characters is what happened. They even like the main characters. I was like, that doesn't really look as much like them. I think Daniel Radcliffe definitely pulled it off. 
Um, even like, you know, Emma Watson's my girl, man, <laughs> Miney Granger. But um, yeah, and I guess Rupert. Yeah, so I would say yeah, the main three I guess pulled it off once I got used to it. But yeah, there were definitely a lot of like differences. Even like, like I would say Albus Dumbledore. The first one that we get to see in this first film, that's in a couple of them, was perfect. When it Spot changed on. a little bit, like we'll talk about that later on. Like I, I didn't feel it wasn't the Albus we've we've known. Like it was Agreed. like, yeah, you know, I couldn't agree with you any more, bro. I think you're a hundred percent. You hit the like nail on the head. Like with Dumbledore, this guy who portrayed him in book or on um, Chamber of Secrets and Sorcerer's Stone, like the first two before, because like what ended up happening, if you guys didn't know, that actor actually passed away, which is really sad. So condolences to the family. I know it's been a long time, but still, we always want to be respectful here at, at Factor Fantasy. But you know, Dumbledore, it was as a very calm demeanor, someone who always has like an air of control and aloofness, where like. The one that they replaced him with, like you said, we won't go into too much, but like that was not his personality at all. He was very brash, and that was not yeah. Dumbledore. Yeah. Uh, so I think you're 100 percent right there, and I think you're I think you're right too about the 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 Ron uh, casting, just because of how he was described in the book. Like he was like tall and yeah. like kind of lanky. He was almost as tall as Fred and George, and they were two years older than him. Yeah. So yeah, I see that there. But I think they did a great job with Harry. They did a great job with Hermione. Uh, Professor McGonagall was spot on for what I thought she was yeah, going to look like. Yeah, I thought she was dead like, on. That was perfect. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Some good ones, man. They were. But Uncle Vernon was one that I had a huge issue with because like, I almost kind of thought of him. I don't want to say like this because I'm not as powerful or anything. But like, just in my mind, he looked more kind of like a Robert Baratheon than he than like you know the guy that portrayed yeah. him in this like not that, that that's a bad characterization but someone who's like short stocky like like would be kind of like just strong but not like terribly strong I don't know this guy because the guy that played him just kind of seemed like he was an old fat lazy guy. man a fat you guy. know what I mean yeah, like it's... he doesn't seem imposing like it, Uncle Vernon was kind of like a bully and like how are you gonna be like a bully like you know and in my head as a kid that didn't that didn't correlate on the screen so yeah, um even Hagrid was a little bit different than I thought. Like Hagrid, like the guy who played him did an okay job, but like, man, I, I, because they they do like small illustrations at the beginning yeah. of each chapter of Harry Potter, and when you see what Hagrid looks like, you know, at, in the, the Sorcerer's Stone, there, just not what I pictured in my head. But like, I guess I was gonna, I would say that, you know, he would be a good second option if you're not gonna put it spot on. He did okay with the role. What do you yeah, think? I thought he did okay. I mean, I kind of pictured more before I saw him like a Paul Bunyan kind of character, like a big Paul Bunyan kind of guy, almost like, I don't want to say Viking-esque, but like had that whole, like I'm super built, not just like chunky and fat and tall. Like, does that make sense? Like, Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying, yeah. Like, he, like, I think he plays like having Hagrid's mind very well, but physically... I, I agree. Like I would assume, like a Paul Bunyan, just a giant among men who's very strong, but like he's not like arrogant about it. He doesn't. It's almost like he's like a big dog who doesn't realize how big he really is. Like he's a nice, friendly guy. You know what I mean? But definitely spot on. I I, I like. I think Paul Bunyan is a great characterization of what I had in my mind for uh, like Hagrid as well. So yeah, yeah, cool. interesting stuff, man. How uh, we all kind of come to those realizations <laughs> with the casting. So. A little bit different between the, like because that's the thing like that's all subjective because you know some people maybe in their heads 
they were spot on casting or maybe they didn't like any of them. So that's just, you know, out of, you know, between me and you, Chase and Josh here at, at Factor Fantasy, that's just the way we kind of thought of the characters growing up, you know, so, uh, but yeah, you know, to kind of highlight some of the differences there outside of just the physical appearances of some of the characters, uh, there's one, there's like a really big part just for in the very beginning, like, I know it's not terribly important to the story, but bro, like, Uncle Vernon going to his day job, that was, that awesome, was kind man. of cool. That was so cool. <laughs> so cool. Like, you he, know, I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. He was like going there. He was like seeing weird things. Like he saw like a like a group of wizards in cloaks, and like he was getting angry because they looked out of sorts, and he thought they were like collecting a tin for money. And you know, like going there, he saw owls, and like or, like the owls were flying past and stuff. Like we didn't get any of that. Like like you know, we just like basically started off with uh, Harry already being like you know they dropping Harry off like you know with Dumbledore and McGonagall. So I don't know. I just thought that's like some something they could have done to make it more closely fit i know it's not terribly important to the storyline but i just i i thought that that's something they could have added no you know? definitely and here here's my big problem with it is just like he never says this line in the book uh here's another difference but it feeds into your point is uncle vernon says there's no such thing as magic okay well in the book you're seeing all these things at your job but yet you're saying there's no such thing as magic and you're seeing all these things and even worse is you were having the people at work bring stuff up to him about it. So, like, clearly there is something going on there. But for him in the film to have just complete deniability, not completely, <laughs> no shots for you guys, um, but um, just deniability about that really does none of this actual true introduction to the story any justice um yeah yeah i thought another to your point too i mean i don't know if it was just straight deniability i think he was trying to make sure like harry didn't believe in it i think he knew you know like that like he was saying there's no such thing as magic to like not put any like ideas in harry's head because obviously uncle vernon knew because remember like when he heard the potter name he's like oh shoot like like i don't want to get involved with like aunt petunia's sister and their their sort like the potters like you know so like he obviously knew that there was magic i think it was more along the lines of like trying to make sure that harry didn't think there was anything because if he knew about it and he started developing those powers that's something they couldn't handle like they right. couldn't stand for so yeah i don't know yeah I, I i do think they should have added him going to his day job there and just instead of just okay here's harry at the door like i yeah, don't know exactly um uh one more thing i wanted to add before i give you a couple uh to, to list off is mrs fig mrs fig does not show up in the movie yeah. at all like, you know, how, like, basically in the movie it showed as in, like, oh, cool, we're all going to the zoo for Dudley's birthday. Where in the book, that's not the case. Like, Dudley threw a fit that Harry was going to go. He did not want Harry to go. And Harry was supposed to go to Mrs. Figg's, but Mrs. Fig broke her leg, the cats. And so, like, that part just never got brought up at all. So, I, I another part there is just, like, you know, that helps build the animosity between Dudley and Harry. And in storytelling, that's, that's really important. And they just decided, you know what, nope, we're going to leave that oh, out. Oh, yeah. I would be so allergic to that house, <laughs> by the All way. All those cats. The cats <laughs> yeah. everywhere. And remember, uh, in the book, they were describing how Harry was forced to look at her photos all day. Like, it was just <laughs> photo after photo. Of her cats. Awful. <laughs> so terrible. 
Um, yeah, bro. Take yeah. take the next like five points of, of differences and, and run with them, man. Cool, man. Uh, so the next ones I had, um, I did have. So in the book, when and they go to, I guess it's like the reptile house is what I called it, like the um, reptile area where the snake was from Brazil. Uh, so one, like the snake, like really wanted to go to Brazil, of course, and we talked about that a little bit last episode, but. The big one I noticed here was in the film, the glass disappears and then the glass reappears and Dudley's inside the tank like that never happened in the book. And it almost like gave an emphasis of this is Harry's fault. Like he made the glass reappear. So Dudley was in there and that never happened at all. Um, and then I always thought the cool little part was he was like, I'm going to Brazil <laughs> at the very because <laughs> it was like a boa constrictor. So I had that. Um, what do you think about that part, by the way? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you on it. Um, I thought that maybe that was just a quick addition to like add to the amount of powers that you can see on screen. I think maybe that yeah. was the way to go instead of just making it disappear. It's like getting reve- it's like almost like getting revenge, getting like, you know, Dudley knock hit him in the side and knocked him down. And then he got, you know, he made the glasses appear. The snake came at him, and then, you know, in the in the books, that was it. Like the snake snapped playfully at Dudley's ankles, um, and that's what happened in the book. To where in the movie, he like gets trapped inside the the cage there. Yeah. So I think it was just their way of adding, like, showing a little bit more magic and like the retaliation side of it. But yeah, who I knows? didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, yeah. after that, <laughs> I did have. Um, so in the book. Harry actually uh, gets Dudley's second bedroom, which was kind of a big one that was just omitted from the story. Not that big of a deal, but it was kind of cool because in this story, he was so excited to get Dudley's second bedroom, but then it went into detail when he actually got it. He was so, like, stressed out about everything where they were blaming stuff on him. Like, he hated even being there. Um, And uh, you remember in in the room was, like, all the that's what made me think of all the presents was like he had like the old tv that was never used like all the stereos and stuff um the next one i had was so in the book was like we were talking about last episode like they go to the hotel because of all the letters that's there and when they go to the hotel like one of the managers actually tries to serve harry uh one of the letters that he's received from hogwarts and they take it but in, in the movie, they never even go there. And then the letters, like, funnel in from the chimney and all that. And they're just flying everywhere. And then Harry, yeah. like, grabs one and, and runs off. So just a little bit of a difference. I didn't have too much of a problem with it. But I just noticed it was definitely a difference in there. Well, I think, too, at that part, I thought it was cool reading it in the story, like, how Uncle Vernon was going, like, kind of having a psychotic break, because remember, he was driving, he was, like, pretending to shake off people who might be tailing him, he's like, ah, just throw him off the trail, throw him off the trail, right? (laughs) So, like, he's kind of going crazy, and that would have helped build that, you know, I think, Mm -hmm. I think that is something they missed out, and then, um... Yeah, and then to go into that motel, and, and they're like, hey, by the way, this is <laughs> we got about 60 of these at the front <laughs> yeah. desk. So. That was awesome. I'll <laughs> let you take a few more, though. Back at you. Yeah, brother. So this is one of my biggest things I have an issue with in, in the entire uh, difference between the book and the movies is the instance with Hagrid at the hut on the rock. So obviously Hag- Hagrid shows up at the time, mm-hmm. and at the time of 
Harry's birthday, excuse me. And he like obviously barges his way in. But in the movie, it doesn't have Hagrid tell him anything about Voldemort or his past there at all. It just has him see like the letter of like, hey, you've been accepted to Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and and basically when Hagrid left and said, oh, we got to go buy your stuff tomorrow. And the books never happened. He gave Harry his trench coat to sleep under. So right. remember, because Harry had to find the smallest piece of, or the softest piece of floor. They had Harry sleeping on the floor. And so that was <laughs> a cool thing. Like Hagrid was like taking pity on him, giving him like the big trench coat because him being a giant, you know, that... Mm-hmm coat was like bigger than any blanket he was going to find it was already warm because he was wearing it the whole way so that was like you know that then having like harry think shoot you know what i think this is all a dream and so when he lifted up and Hagrid was still there that's an awesome moment and they just totally left it out in the movie like you could like that didn't change anything you could have had Hagrid staying on the couch that was there like like he did that and then not only that like that's where we see like the the owl coming back and you realize you have to pay money for the owls to go away like that never happened in the movie. That's a big moment because I you don't understand like how uh, the like mail system works. So you, they bring you your mail, you pay them for their service, and they take you know they take off. Yeah. So we didn't get that at all because Hagrid wasn't there. He didn't sleep over in the movie. I thought that was yeah. a huge one. Also, in the movie, he mistook Dudley for Harry, and that never happened in the book either. He's like, "Oh, you got a little round around the stomach there, Harry." Like, <laughs> yeah. like, heck, like if, <laughs> if you right. straight up, yeah, and you should have carried this baby from a burning house that his parents were just murdered at. I feel like you would know which is which, right? <laughs> like he did in the book. I don't understand why they tried to add that. Like maybe for some comedic relief, I guess. I don't know. I didn't care for it. And you know them mis- like mistaking Harry like you know for Dudley. I, d- I don't see that. But yeah, I didn't see. Uh, I, to your point, I it was a little <laughs> far fetched. I thought it was kind of funny, but like it was definitely far fetched. Where I get upset with stuff, which I never had a really a big problem with a lot of these. Like you know, Josh, uh, our own Jay Nelly right here is a huge Lion King fan. Like one problem I had with that movie was when they had they put in some stuff about the scar there when they did the like realistic version and that's not how he really got it. That's where I start having problems is if it really changes things. This like instance like it was like like I was kind of like annoyed by it, but like it didn't affect me to the point of like that's ridiculous. Like take it out. So I I can see like if you want to kind of make it your own, like I'm okay with it. I guess I don't know how do you yeah. how do you feel about that are you like more it ticked just off or? yeah it just didn't because Harry spent his whole entire life being overlooked and like the time that he it gets to feel important about being a wizard you're gonna act like you don't know who he is yeah. <laughs> like I don't know like, like you said it doesn't change the story at all and it's not something that is is wildly picked up on it's just one of those things like what was the point like I don't get the point of it, yeah. but that wasn't anything huge. <laughs> just something that I noticed. <laughs> but I will say I was annoyed that they, like they basically had Hagrid tell Harry about Voldemort in the Leaky Cauldron. Like that mm-hmm. just completely was different. Like they, right. like I thought it was cool that you know the day he learned about who he was as a wizard and Hagrid was able to kind of give him a quick backstory without going too much into detail about you know what happened and who he was. That way, when he got into the Wizard World for the first time, he at least was prepared 
mentally for like hey like people might come up to me and talk to me about this but like in the movie it's just like he goes into the leaky cauldron like yeah. oh you know what i mean like <laughs> you know he's got no idea what his parents were so i thought right. that was unnecessary for them to change that he didn't take much to just hey let's have a conversation on this hot on the rock instead of three scenes later in <laughs> in diagon alley <laughs> but uh next one i've got is uh quirrell shaking harry's hand in the leaky cauldron in the book and then him not shaking his hand in the movie now that does change a lot of the storyline because number one professor quirrell did not have the turban when harry met him the first time in the leaky cauldron and he did in the movie uh and so basically you're led to believe that once we get to the very i mean obviously we've already talked about the ending of the book in last week's episode so i'll talk about it now but we realize voldemort's underneath uh Quirrell's turban so that makes you leads you to believe that he was there the entire time which is just not true with how this book in the uh, the story in the book goes you know the story in the book he meets him there he shakes his hand and so that's a big moment because that's a foreshadowed event for why he cannot do that later on in the in right in the um book so that's one of the biggest things I had an issue with there and then just the last one I'll talk about before I turn it back over to you is Harry meeting Malfoy in Madame Malkin's robe shop and not right before the sorting hat like they did in the movie. They kind of had that buildup of the animosity, which is great. They had conversation and Harry was getting a bad feeling from him. Then they had the confrontation on the Hogwarts Express. You know, so like it was a buildup to where in the movies it's like he like they're just lollygagging around and then they get to the, right before the sorting hat and he's like I'll help you find the right sort of wizards Harry <laughs> like okay man like so that those are the the next big three that I had that I um I detailed and I had an issue with I'll let you go from there man yeah um I mean one thing I do want to bring up that isn't really that big of a difference I just thought it was cool the way it was portrayed in the book so remember when he gave Dudley the pig's tail yeah in the book it was because dudley insulted dumbledore and like the lightning went off and he was like pissed whereas like it happened a little bit of the same way in the movie but it was like different because i think like uncle vernon or something insulted dumbledore well uncle vernon insulted him in the book so in the book uncle vernon did insult him uh in the movie uncle i think yeah uncle vernon insulted him in both ways Okay. Dudley didn't say anything, but Dudley was eating Harry's cake, and so That's what, what he did is he he cursed his tail. And but you're right in, in the terms of like he said he tried to turn him into a pig, but like he was already so much like a pig already that the yeah, tail was the only way. thing left. Why well, was in the book? Where yeah. in the movie, it's like he, he intentionally tried to make just a tail. So yeah, uh, interesting which wasn't that, that big of a deal. I just yeah, no, I thought but, it was cool the way it played out in the book versus the film. But that's just yeah, a little detail. <laughs> um. Big, big issue I have that it could have taken two seconds to put this in there. The fact that Hagrid was expelled and they snapped his wand, and that was never brought up at all in the film. Like, nothing about it, even in Ollivander's in the book. Ollivander uh, even hinted at, like, hey, you know, is there any of what I made you, like, left? Like, are you using any of it? Like, is it an umbrella or anything? There is no mention of any of that in the film at all. <laughs> yeah, to your point, like the Hager didn't even go into the wand shop in the movie where he actually did in the book. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing about the wand shop, this is one you brought up. Dude pulls out, in the book, it was like tons of <laughs> wands. In the film, it was Dude, like, yeah. Wands. He was like, here you go. 
<laughs> like, here you go. I think it is clear. We can expect great things from you. And it's like, all right, well, you tried, like, three wands. Like, really? So Definitely. Uh, and then the last one I'll bring up, and then I'll turn it back over to you. Um, I guess, yeah, so this isn't that big of a deal, really, either. But, um... So, like, Harry, this isn't that big of a deal, but, like, how you mentioned Draco. So, Harry actually originally heard about Quidditch when Draco was talking about it at Diagon Alley. In the film, it's like he heard about it when he, I guess, like, started seeing, like, the Nimbus and stuff, but he still didn't know much about it and then learned about it in school. Like, Draco actually was the one when he didn't know it was Draco got there and was like amping it up like oh quidditch is awesome like you need to be into it and that's really how he found out so that wasn't like i was saying that isn't that big of a deal it's just me being picky is really what it is yeah i mean i'm with you there and to your point about the wands that we talked about uh it it, it makes it so much more you're more invested into seeing what Harry's wand's going to end up being when you're reading about it because it's described as there was there's piles of wands on top of the chair that weren't working. Like he had him try. It said piles of wands. Like they made it seem like he was almost running out of wands to give him. Yeah. Like shoot, like you know, and that just builds the mystique to like, hey, what's the wand that's going to really you know uh, work for Harry? You know, and then in the movie, it's like one, nope, two, nope, three, yep. <laughs> like yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I'll let you go ahead and take it from take it from here. I'll let you uh, knock out a few more. Sure. Um, so, I have Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle, and Harry and Ron getting in the confrontation on the Hogwarts Express in the book. That doesn't happen in the movie. Uh, only Hermione and Neville kind of show up in the uh, compartment in the movie where in the book uh, they, they kind of start problems. They actually even go, they start to fight. If you remember, guys, like mm-hmm. uh, they like go to grab the food, uh, Harry's food, because like they said, if you're looking for a problem or whatever. And so, you know, I think we are. And then, hey, we're, we're kind of hungry. Let's get some of their food. And then that's when they all kind of go to like come to bl- almost come to blows. Uh, but Scabbers bites Goyle on the finger and leaves a scar on Goyle's finger that comes up later on in, in two books from now. Um, but uh, it's just something that you just don't see. Like, that'd be really cool to put in, like I said, leading up the animosity, building up that between Malfoy and Harry, where in the movie, it, they just get to Hogwarts, and then that's when they have their first, like, he basically embarrasses Malfoy by saying, I can, cho-, like, Malfoy goes to shake his hand in the movie, and he says, I can sort out the wrong kind myself and that was it like yeah. you know they could have done a lot better with that and there was it was a lot better in the book um yeah. next thing is when after they get for me when after they get uh, sorted uh this is a part i talked about a little bit last week guys i probably caught a little caught a little bit of bad attention for it talking about how hermione was overblown in the movie I, it's just it's my opinion like I think she was. They overhyped her abilities and what she well, how important she was in the movie versus really in the book here and this is just a small part of that but they basically gave uh Hermione or gave Seamus Finnegan's line to Hermione in the movie so Seamus Finnegan was the one that asks nearly headless Nick like how can you be nearly headless where in the movie Hermione is like nearly headless how can you be nearly headless like that never happened in the book (laughs) like that was not her um also huge issue that I have is like when they're actually sorting 
the 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 students into the houses. In the movie, they just go right in, like no alphabetical order. Obviously, they they do it for the main characters in alphabetical order, but like you know, like Hannah Abbott was the first person ever sorted in Harry's year. Mm-hmm. You know, she went to Hufflepuff, yeah. but like, yeah. like they didn't. They just were like, yeah, I'm gonna make you believe that the only people you're gonna see sorted, like they didn't do these supporting characters justice in the movie. That's why I didn't love this movie going back and watching it this time around. They didn't do the supporting characters any justice at all. Uh, so it was just uh, very interesting, and like Blaze Zabini was the last person uh, um, that was sorted into Harry's year, and he was Slytherin. So just like those two facts, like you know, you don't even see that. You don't see anyone but the people you hear about, like Hermione, Ron, Harry, Malfoy. Like that's the only ones you see get sorted. Like what? Yeah. Like I don't know. That, that left a bad taste in my mouth, and then. Um, yeah, uh, then I'll let you go from there, man. Yeah, I mean, going back on what you said, I agree with that. At the same time, I could see why maybe they just cut to it because, like, the movie was already, you know, almost three hours. But, like, I guess being brutal on what you cut. But, yeah, it definitely kind of felt like they were trying to amp up just the, like golden trio i would say like really just focus on those three which i mean it is about them but um yeah i could definitely see why that would be cool uh you know i'm a big owl person um (laughs) so in the book uh you know hedwig like you never even hear his name in the sorcerer's stone at all it's not until the other movies later you actually even hear his name so i don't know how they just assumed this owl was just sitting there with no name but in the book, you know, Harry names Hedwig from the History of Magic book uh, that yeah. he has. Yeah. So, like, I thought that was a big part. Like, all of a sudden, like, this owl just, like, shows up and is on his little cart onto platform nine and three quarters. Like, all right. Well, Hagrid gave it to, like, Hagrid shook the cage outside. Like, Happy birthday, Harry. Yeah. When he, like, yeah. Ha- outside, like, the wand shop. But that didn't happen in the book either. So that was something they added. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. I don't remember them saying. Like, I, I, I don't have that on my sheet there. I didn't realize that they never said Hedwig's name in the movie. Mm-hmm. That's a good catch, bro. That's a really yeah. good catch. Uh, thanks, man. Um, the other thing that I thought was a big difference not really a big difference but like in the book was so cool in the movies i was like this is cool visually but like you could have done so much better so in the book the staircases like yeah Harry describes like you know he's running up the staircases or then you know all of a sudden like a stair might disappear and you'd have to jump like it was almost like super mario could you imagine that like students just like all of a sudden stairs disappear and they just fall to their doom you're just like what what the hell is going on right now um we're in the movie like that was like a big thing for them they're like oh we made these staircases that change okay cool but like all the staircases did was change like how hard is it for you just to take out like say staircases disappeared or show like one student like finnegan if he was like jumping from staircase to staircase (laughs) that would be so finnegan and you could have like portrayed it but that was just like another um difference i had in there not that big of a deal but in the book it was just so cool hearing about that i was like i would love to like be there and witness this um the other thing i had uh so Harry actually at Diagon Alley in the book, he actually goes back to the Dursleys for a few weeks. Whereas 
Uh, and remember, like, Uncle Vernon drove him to platform nine and three quarters. In the movie, it was Hagrid that he went with, and it was almost like he just, like, went there with Hag- Hagrid. Like, okay, well, next stop, platform nine and three quarters. <laughs> yeah, that was really weird. Like, I was like, okay, so we just, like... <laughs> I guess three weeks you just like spent in that little bar area. <laughs> like, man, no wonder Hagrid was a was a definitely a, a regular there <laughs> when they were looking for him. But, yeah, so I thought that was a difference because it's like it's like they just went straight from Diagon Alley to Platform Nine and Three Quarters. Awesome. Did you want to do another one or two? Or do you want me to take it from here? Um, I'll let you take it from there. I mean, I figure we could go three and three or however you want to do it. Yeah, man. Sounds good. Uh, you know, so this is going to be jumping forward a lot because like, this is just one that really stuck out to me. Um, huge. And we talked about it a little bit too, you and I, there was no midnight wizards duel in the movie. Like that's something that is really cool that they could have put in. And like, remember that's, really how they met fluffy for the first time because all three of the hermione was trying to stop them but then like hermione like had to go ended up going with them anyways and they uh they went out to the in the trophy case try to find them they had to run from filch they ran into like the corridor with ne- neville was with them too remember neville was with them mm-hmm. and yeah. they had to run into the corridor and close it behind the, like in, behind them and then that's where they met like fluffy they heard it snarling and they that's when Hermione said that famous line like we could have been killed or worse expelled right that all yeah. started because of the wizards duel in yeah. the movie that was not put in at all so yeah, that just changed all. a big part of the plot of them finding the, the third floor corridor that changed everything that was a huge miss by them that's something that wouldn't have taken a lot to to add in there like you could, you could have taken out some of the fluff and put that in like that's the whole yeah. reason they even knew where the third floor corridor was and what was in there so yeah big issue there another one that i have and i, I brought this up like briefly last week but uh professor mcgonagall taking oliver wood out of flitwick's class is how it was in the book where in the movies they decide that they want to take him out of professor quirrell's class I just don't understand the need for the change. Like, there doesn't change anything to the story at all, and there wouldn't be anything budget-wise. Like, you know, all you just have is the one teacher instead of the one teacher. Like, the room could have even looked the same. No one would have noticed. Yeah. Like, what was the point of, like, showing or taking it out of Quirrell's classroom? Is that something they just thought that actually happened? Like, the director's like, yeah, this, yeah it was Quirrell's classroom. Or, like, was that a mistake? Or, like, did they do it on purpose? Because if they did it on purpose, I just don't see the benefit. I don't right. know. But... uh didn't like that and you remember in the movie hermione shows harry his his, like his dad's name on the plaque for quidditch she said you're not gonna be terrible at quidditch you know it was in your blood Mm -hmm. hermione never tells harry that hermione doesn't know that in the book yeah in the book uh professor mcgonagall says your father would have been proud Mm -hmm. so that's those are the other ones that i wanted to point out before i toss it back to you just have big issues with those yeah no i i had a big issue with that one too because it's i Hermione's my girl. Like, I give her number one all the time, but this was definitely part of that whole overplayed her character. Like, she just knows everything there is to know about Hogwarts. Even though Hogwarts has rooms that no one's, like, 
most people have never even discovered. So I, my I boys agree. Fred and George know that place better than anyone, baby. <laughs> Fred and George do though. Yeah, that's, yeah. That later on. Yes, sir. Um, so uh, a few things I had. One big one was actually Peeves. Do you know? Do you remember Peeves in the book? Yeah, the poltergeist. Yeah, Peeves the poltergeist. Yeah. So he wasn't in there. I thought Peeves was really cool. Um. He was just like a nuisance, but yeah, he was cool. He was a cool nuisance. Yeah. Like a, almost, yeah, he was almost like um, like a ghost almost, but like they kept the ghost in there. Like same thing. Like I don't know. Why so this is a cool point that I want to bring up. Now that you mentioned that the difference between a ghost and a poltergeist is ghost uh, ghosts can't interact with the physical plane, and poltergeists can. That's why he was able to throw chalk and and mess around mm-hmm. with actual stuff, where ghosts can just kind of fly through things. So yeah. polter, poltergeists can actually. Uh, interact with the physical plane ghosts cannot but that's all i want wouldn't that have been cool to like see say if like hermione or yes sitting there and then like it just hits them with chalk and they just turn around like really yes like dude peeves would have been a huge thing that they should have added in there been awesome um another one that i got here so um in the book you know we kind of talked about this last episode remember it's fred and george that actually first meet harry over in platform nine and three quarters he doesn't actually um in the film he doesn't even see ron either until the train whereas in the book they're like hey meet our little brother ron you know and in the (laughs) film like ron just like shows up on the train like how's it going like all right (laughs) okay so not a big deal i just thought it was kind of cool got to give your boys credit (laughs) where credit is due yes sir the Um, twins baby twins man it's good stuff um then uh that was another one as far as like on the train i brought this up last week like in the book they made it where like harry was starving like remember it described him taking a bite out of the yellow pastry he ordered all that food well like in the film it made it seem as if like he ordered all the food where he's like well take the lot because like ron held up his roast beef sandwich or whatever he had which he had in the book but he was just like eating the roast beef sandwich like it wasn't because he was like oh i really want those pastries harry talk about health hazard like all you did was order him a bunch of like candy and junk food but you know like i can go with it that's just not the way it played out it made it look like harry was like some saint because he ordered him like all this candy from the gold he got at gringotts so that's what I thought of that. For sure, man. Um, what do I want to take next here? Let's see. Yeah. Uh, how about the rules of Quidditch are not properly portrayed in the movie at all? Uh, oh, yeah. When mm-hmm. Oliver Wood says in the movie uh, about the Golden Stitch, you catch this, Potter, the game is over. You catch this, and we win. Yeah, well, that's really not how it works. It's all about points, and you can catch the snitch without winning the game, which yeah. we learn about in three books from now. So, like, exactly. come on, guys. <laughs> like, let's get it together. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no reason to do that. Like, yeah. Like, the book very specifically portrays, like, 150 points to who catches a snitch, and they nearly always win. Mm-hmm. You know, but it doesn't mean you automatically win because you caught yeah. the snitch. Yeah, exactly. And so... <laughs> That's like, something that the movie you just win, but yeah, no, it's yeah. The movie just just decided like yeah, you catch this and we win, and that's it. <laughs> I hope you have a good game at Quidditch. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness, man. Oh, yeah. So, 
And that's something that rubbed me the wrong way because that changes how the sports played. If mm-hmm. you know, if you go by just the movie, oh, yeah. like if you if you didn't read the books, you would think walking around that like yeah, you can you win Quidditch by catching the snitch. Like yeah. no, you don't. Definitely not. <laughs> Which think of that. That's why I love the Quidditch game so much. I thought it was so interesting the way they designed it. Because think about it, like like coach on a football team, you're specifically designing plays just to like take the seeker out. Because if you take the seeker out, like it's a normal game at that point. Like if you yeah. knock them out of the air where they're out of the game and they're done, and not that we want anyone to get hurt, but fictionary sport, like you would design plays to be like, hey, you need to block this guy out of there and then we can just play our game and you're good. But yeah, so just like you're saying, yeah, I mean, people think they just catch the snitch and they win, but no, it's 150 points. That's it. Yeah. And the game's over. That's it. 150 points and the game ends. Yeah. That's that's all it is. It's not an automatic win. But yeah. Um, yeah. Also, the other thing here, uh, the last one I'll have before I turn it back over to you, uh, the troll and finding the bathroom. Remember in the books, like Harry and Ron, like locked it in that room thinking that they were doing the right thing by enclosing the troll in a, in a mm-hmm. space and going to get the teachers and let them know where it was. And they're like, oh, shoot, because they heard Hermione scream. We just locked it in the bathroom. Where in the movies, like, the, the troll just kind of, like, like blindly goes into the bathroom. And this is, like I said, a big part of where I believe they overplayed Hermione's character. Because in the books, she was petrified. She couldn't move. They were yelling at her to move, and she was frozen in yeah. fear. Where in the movies, she's like, yeah, Ron, no, it's, it's swish and flick, okay? You got it? Okay, I'm over here in the corner. Just swish and flick. Like, no, that did not happen in the books. Like, she could not speak. She could not move. The guys had to do it on their own and save her. She did not offer any sort of help or assistance in the book. Where in, in the movies, of course, they wanted to have her saving the day. That's not what happened. She did not help Ron with that spell in that exact moment. He did it on his own. Let's not take credit away from Ron. Our boy did his thing. <laughs> Hermione just sat there and did nothing. So that that's yeah. a big issue I have again. Like I said, I just think they over they overplayed her. But I've got a couple more uh, reasons on that too. But go for uh, go for you the next couple, my man. Which I thought that was kind of. I didn't. I thought it definitely took away from the scene that happened in the book. But I did like the McGonagall part where she was like. Not many people could take on a full-grown-sized troll and live to tail the tail. <laughs> and 50 points <laughs> yes. for Gryffindor because of sure dumb luck. <laughs> so I thought yep. that was cool. But yeah, it definitely took away from the moment. Um, Draco actually meets uh, Ron and them on the train. <laughs> Remember Draco was like... Yeah, insulting. that's what I was saying. They had that confrontation on the Hogwarts Express. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which that didn't happen. Um, Nicholas Flamel, they originally... Uh, you know, Harry notices it because it's on the back of the chocolate frog uh, card that we were talking about um, last week. Um, last one here, which isn't my last one, but then off to you. I got, um, yeah, just like you were saying last week, like when they, the sorting hat never sang one song in the film. Not <laughs> one song, man. And that was like his thing. Every time he did something, he sang a song. Like, that was actually a big part of the book. And that was just yeah. never brought up at all. 
Good point. I'm actually gonna let you take a, a couple more just because I'm a lot further ahead in my sequence, like towards okay. the end. You're, you're kind of right where they get to Hogwarts. I'm actually right uh, where they take on the troll from Halloween. So I'm at Halloween right now and you're right right when they get there. So I'll let you take the next couple till we kind of catch up to okay. each other and, and go from there, man. Cool, awesome. Um, let's see here. I'm just, cause you hit a lot of my points actually, but here's one. So in the book, uh, you know, in the movie, Harry's first Quidditch practice was during the day. In the book, it's at night at 7 p.m. So yeah. I'm, I'm okay with this one because I guess they want it to be more, like, inviting for the audience. But, like, 7 p.m. at night, one, it makes more sense because you have classes during the day. Two, like, that'd be a lot more freaky. <laughs> and then you're stuck thinking about it all day, which is what he was kind of doing in the book so it made it almost more relatable but i was okay with it because like the whole idea with the film they wanted to do was like kind of show off what the game was so i was okay yes. with it i didn't mind it um uh yeah just like you said i had the one about oliver wood where he was like catch this and you'll win definitely <laughs> <laughs> um uh let's see here yeah so i mentioned this last week so when they were in Flitwick's class, in the book, she tells Ron, um, she said, uh, you just need to take out, uh, she says, make the gar nice and long. When she's like, it's Leviosa. Make the gar nice and long. When guardium, the, yeah. When guardium <laughs> Leviosa. But in the movie, she, I don't know why they decided to do this. Like, I don't know what big of a difference it even made. She was like, it's Leviosa, not Leviosar, which I thought that was funny because of the gifts nowadays. But um, yeah, that was just a bit of a difference, which is funny because a lot of people that just like watch the film, they think that's like a big iconic line of the book was the Leviosa, not Leviosar. But it's actually you need to make the gar nice and long. So I don't know if people just didn't read that right. <laughs> and they were just like, just add the R. But um, so I thought it was funny. Um, uh, let's see. Also, another thing they never bring up in the film is Harry had Quidditch through the ages, the actual book. Um, so they never bring that up at all. Um, Harry uh, in the book receives the wooden flute from Hagrid. So I had that in there. Um, and also a 50 piece. Remember like Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia like sent it to him for like his birthday um so it made them almost seem as if like they weren't as bad as we thought but they were still pretty bad but i was kind of like okay well at least they have some soul um and then remember hermione this was actually at, uh was it was at christmas sorry not his birthday his birthday is in july uh christmas <laughs> is when he gets all this and hermione gives him you know chocolate frogs he got a jumper from molly weasley um, and then, of course, it's a sweater, know. Weasley sweater, Weasley sweater. Yeah. yeah. And uh, of course, he got the invisibility cloak. Um, let's see. In the novel, actually, um, Ron, like, doesn't know, of course, like where the cloaks from. Like, he, he, like in the film, he's like, that's an invisibility cloak. Like, he doesn't know what the cloak is in the book. And, like, the film, like, he knew exactly what it was. Like when Oh, he knew what it was in the book, too. I actually have that written down as, like, a okay. similarity. That was um, a similarity? Okay. Yeah. I, I thought he didn't really... 
it was almost like he didn't know. Yeah, because he tells he's like those are really rare. I, he said he tells Harry those are really rare. I would give anything anything okay. to have one of those. So he knew about the invisibility cloak there. But I think we're kind of caught up now to where like, I was at Halloween. Now you're at Christmas, so let me go ahead and okay. catch up with you yeah, now. Uh, so that way we're on the on the same <laughs> area here. Um, now the next thing I have was the very first Quidditch match. Okay, mm-hmm. the very first Quidditch match. Dumbledore in the books was not at the very first Quidditch match. Damn. In the movie, he's in that first Quidditch match where Harry is cursed off the broom. Why is that an issue for me? Well, I don't know. Maybe the greatest wizard of all time probably could have stopped it if he was there. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like if he's there, if he's there watching Harry being cursed, do you know how bad that makes him look in the movies? Like, oh man, look at Harry up there about to die. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, where was he all movie, by the way? Like, Dude, literally, like, they, where was he? There's only another book I can think of where he's, like, nowhere to be found <laughs> the entire time. Dude, like, like Dumbledore really this. didn't play a big role in this. You're right. He didn't really play a big role in Sorcerer's Stone. Like, he was just out of the loop. Like, he ended up coming. Remember, the whole reason he came to the second Quidditch match is so something like that didn't happen again. But, like... Mm-hmm. Why would you portray that in the movie? You make Dumbledore look really bad because in the movie it shows him there watching Harry like do anything, and he just doesn't do any, doesn't do a thing. Yeah. He just sits there, and I'll just let Snape mutter the counter curses. You'll be fine, Harry. It's all good, fine. man. You'll be fine. Like, that was just really silly of the book to make Dumbledore look. I mean, I'm sorry, silly of the movie to make Dumbledore look that bad by being there when that was happening. So, um. Also, what's up with the movie only showing one Quidditch match and not a second? You know how big that was for us? We love Quidditch. Show us as many Quidditch matches as you can, yeah, man. Yeah, like, like, dude, why? take out some other stuff. I don't care what else you take <laughs> out, but don't 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 rob us of Quidditch. Like, of Harry catching the snitch in record time? You're going to awesome. take that out? That like, awesome. what? He was, like, diving down. You thought he was going to hit the ground there. And then that's Dude, he did it right in front of like Snape's face. Like he got, he grabbed it right. Like he wished by Snape and snatched it right out of like the air right oh, yeah. next to Snape when Snape was the referee. Like you're just awesome. gonna not give us that awesome like record time catch. Whatever, it is what it is. I understand why they did it because they wanted to really build up the rivalry between Gryffindor and Slytherin, and yeah. that second one was against Hufflepuff. It's fine, but like I don't know. It just it was annoying that they only got one Quidditch match, and then. Now for me to catch up with you at Christmas time after they got the invisibility cloak, this was a huge difference. When we get to the mirror of Erised, when Harry looks into it into the movie, he only sees his mom and his dad with him in the reflection. Mm-hmm. In the book, it says he sees at least ten of the Potters. He yeah. sees like the whole family, like the grandparents, like people with like other like a lot of people with the green eyes, people with his knobbly knees, like. Mm-hmm. He sees the entire family, not just his mom and his dad that shows in the movie, which would, I think it would really show the depth of that desire of wanting a full family in the movie. If you just add eight more people, all you got to do, you know, if as a casting director is grab people as extras, put them in the one scene, that's not going to cost you barely anything. And it's going to add a whole lot more like a raw emotion to the scene. Like, yeah. I don't know. They think they really dropped the ball on that. Like, had, like they said, they said there was at least ten other people in the mirror in the books, and then nope, just Harry's mom and Harry's dad in the movie. It's all good. Yeah. That's the only one he misses. He doesn't care about the rest of his family. It's only his mom and dad that matter. Yeah. Like no, that's ridiculous. Um, just a comment yep. on that real quick too. In the book, yeah. like his mom was pouring tears, crying. Like it was so much more emotional. Whereas 
in the film she was just standing there like almost Smiling, like you could yeah. almost feel like it was a mirage or just an illusion whereas in the book like she was crying like this is my son alive and i haven't been able to like see him at all so it was just a which is like crazy because that that's what leads to people going mad is because that's not really happening and that's not really her that's his deepest desires of his heart mm -hmm. so what makes that really heartbreaking is like in his mind he would see his mom crying tears of joy to see his him her son again mm -hmm. so like that's even worse like, like that's something you definitely should have mentioned there but uh, i'll let you i'll let you go back to it. i think we're all caught up on timeline now uh so take yeah. away some new differences from christmas then um so okay uh let's see you mentioned the quidditch match um i put you know so in the book uh we mentioned this a little bit last week so harry like hopped on his broom and like saw quirrell and snape in the forest in like the movie he was like in the library i guess which i can see i guess why they did it because it made m more sense for the film for where they were in the setting like there was no way for him just to hop on a broom and fly to the forest he's never been to but <laughs> yeah i guess so i guess that's why and i thought it was cool like snape like reached out and tried to grab the invisibility cloak almost like he was feeling someone was there that was definitely a difference like two complete settings um the next one i have is so um remember we talked about this last week a little bit uh her myanny ron and um harry like they're in the library when hermione is given the credit in the film for discovering nicholas flamel and she just like pulls a book off the shelf some shocker random book like there it is <laughs> that's why and that's the one thing i started having problems with because they were like that's what's hiding under the trap door the sorcerer's stone and i was like what like out of all these books that's what you decide is the answer when, Sounds yeah. like a little bit of overblowing of the character. <laughs> ah, here we go. Um, and then I guess the, the last one I have, um, before I let you take it away here, was... Um, so, I guess uh, Norbert is, like, a big one. <laughs> we talked about yeah, this that... last week. Yeah. So, like, in the book, they go to the tallest tower, which is the astronomy tower, um, to get Norbert to uh, Charlie's friends so they can take him away because they're trying to actually help Hagrid and, like, smuggle him out, which is how on the way back... Because, yeah, just to touch on that quick, because Malfoy saw Hagrid with the dragon, which is illegal. So there, right, that's exactly. why they wanted to get him out of there. Yeah, yeah no, you're good. Um, but on the way back, um, was it... Did McGonagall catch him on the way back, or was it Argus Filch? I remember, it, I think was it was Filch because they they forgot the invisibility cloak. That's what it was. So yeah, and they, they were, dropped like, it. Yeah, they back. accidentally dropped the. Yeah, on the way back, yeah. it was them. Yeah. And um, McGonagall, remember, she was even like, because Malfoy went and ratted on him. <laughs> it was mm -hmm. like, this is what's happening, and she didn't believe him. She was like, oh, that's why, because you know, you made up this crazy story about smuggling out a dragon to get Malfoy out here at night. And that's why they were in trouble originally. In the film, yeah. it's like Malfoy's just like standing there like, hey, I caught, I told her y'all were out late at night. So they got caught at Hagrid's hut. And then McGonagall was like, you're gonna have detention too. Like it was like a total short-sighted thing. 
where it i hate to use this word but it's like they half-assed it is what it was yeah so they did yeah i'll let you take it from here man so I'm glad because we're, we're we're dead on in the same spot now because my next thing is about the the Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback as well. Uh, in the books, it's actually Hagrid who tells them about uh, Norbert being a Norwegian Ridgeback. So again, overblowing the main characters and not giving supporting characters in the movie, Ron's the one that tells them that's a Norwegian Ridgeback. Like because you know his brother Charlie works as a like as a dragon handler over in Romania. So in the movies. It was Ron who says it, but again, that's just overblowing the main characters, and they, they don't have any love or or like space for the supporting ones. And supporting characters really make the movie, like and and the yeah. books, you know, like how many people, you know, not to foreshadow, but how many bad things happen to supporting characters that are super emotional, right? A lot of them, and so that's the problem I'm having with this is like they just making it seem like everything happened just with these three, and that's just yeah. not the case. Right. Um, then Charlie's letter. Uh, agreeing to take Norbert, like that was not in the movie at all. Like that, that, that whole thing with Charlie and like writing a letter to him, that just didn't happen. Like <laughs> they, that was just gone. Right. Yeah. Uh, then yeah, like he said, taking Norbert up to the tallest tower in the books, that didn't happen either. But this was a big part that yeah. was really missed because uh, of how the det- the detention plays out. And yeah. I'll let you talk about the detention. But Ron's hand was bit by Norbert, and it was uh, they were venomous fangs because it started to swell up and he couldn't yeah. use it. So Ron was actually had to be in the hospital wing when uh, this whole thing happened when Hermione and Harry were the ones that took Norbert up there right. and they are the ones that got caught. So Ron actually never went uh, into the Forbidden Forest on that detention in the books mm-hmm. where I'll let you go ahead and take it from here, my man. Yeah, and uh, that was perfect spot because what I was going to bring up here is with the detention, remember McGonagall and caught my wand there. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> up to the sky <laughs> yeah for dumbledore <laughs> the yeah um, yeah anyways though but like in the book remember this is a big part because mcgonagall takes 50 points from each student so that was harry ron and hermione and they were just feeling awful about it like they were remember well it wasn't ron because ron wasn't out remember i was in the hospital in the books and the books Ron was in the hospital they they took it they took it from neville it was harry ron it was it's harry uh hermione and and neville that's right i knew it was three neville that's who yeah yeah um but they were just feeling well one the difference is you know in the whereas in the film of course she took like 20 points from each of them that was there and of course ron wasn't actually there in the books but the big difference here in my opinion is they were just feeling awful like it describes them as you know they were being ridiculed all the time actually on the quidditch field like harry they were calling him the seeker because he was out late at night and he was just getting dogged for it and they uh remember they were originally like in first place and then they lost they were taken out of first place for the house cup because they had lost so many points and just all the time like no one would sit next to them no one would talk to him and that was really not even in the movie like no one even cared they had just lost all these points at all Um, it's a great point yeah and just to touch on that real quick too because like like what you were saying when they were treating him poorly on the quidditch field harry offered to resign in the books he's like "I'll, i'll i'll resign from the quidditch thing and i was like well how are we gonna gain those points back you idiot 
like yeah. like you know if you're off the team we can't win like we can't get those points back so like shut up and play but we're not going to talk to you like yeah, basically so awful. like literally they were they were ostracizing him to your point they're making him feel like shit like they literally did not want any piece of him to the point where like harry's like man i'm just gonna i'm just gonna quit quidditch i'm like I, I don't even feel like i'm worthy enough to be on the team like that's how bad they made him feel like quidditch was the first thing that he like was able to do naturally and that he loved and he was going to give that up because of how bad they, they were treating him yeah so i'll let you keep going from there but yeah huge difference yeah uh and then i just have when they went to the forbidden forest this was like a big difference so ronan's not even there in the film and it was what was his name bone or something bane 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 bane, bane. bane. i'm terrible names yeah and bane they're not even there and then um the other centaur like his uh friends how do you pronounce it friends right friends yeah um like remember he was described as having like i almost remember as like blue eyes and like silver palomino body and blue eyes yeah Yeah. and like he Mm -hmm. looked like totally different in the film like it's like brown just basic like nothing special about him Whereas when you run into him, because they had already seen I'm him. I'm summoning the malice in the chalice car, baby! Go for it, Woo! Go for it. Big dirty at its finest. Malice so- in the chalice, baby. <laughs> Cheers, bro. Malice in the chalice. The only thing I wanted to say here for my malice in the chalice card today, because now that we're on the point of centaurs, the very first time I have ever seen a centaur was in the movie Hercules. That was the yeah. first time I ever saw a centaur. It was like the blue one with like the beard and he was angry and he was like in the water there threatening Meg and that's like one of the first things that, that uh, Hercules had to defeat was the centaur in the river. So <laughs> I always had that image in my head when I thought about centaurs is the blue one from Hercules because not only was that the first time I saw a centaur, the first video game I ever played on PlayStation 1 was the Hercules video game, and you had to beat the Centaur in there too, and it was awesome. That's a Malice in the Chalice card that every time I think of Centaurs, I think of Hercules, the blue Centaur, the angry guy with the beard, and like he ended up getting like uh, donked on his head and knocked out. It was awesome. Dude, that's awesome. I remember send that baby out to the Shadow Realm, and I'm going to send it back to you, boy. Oh man, that was good stuff. I remember playing that on the computer, man. Like that's what it was about. Like I. I remember going through the training where you remember you had the sword and you were at Phil's place. Yeah. Awesome. I love the little that. like Gatorade bottles, the Herc juice, like yeah, you squirt it. In. <laughs> that was great, man. That game was <laughs> awesome. That's so true. Though. Me too. That's awesome, man. What was it? Uh, actually, that was my favorite movie growing up. I remember seeing it in a theater in like 96 with my dad or something like that. Like we were on vacation my dad's like, I'll take you to see this while your mom goes shopping with your aunt or something. I was like, just enthralled. I was like, this is the greatest movie ever. Best day ever. <laughs> oh, that was great. Anyways, okay, so that was an awesome Malice in the Chalice, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Stuff. That was awesome. Um, so, let's see. So, also, going back to uh, Friends... Uh, is that how you say it? For rent, F-I-R-E. Yeah, yep. gotcha. for rents. Yep. Yeah. He also like throws him on his back and he gets to ride off like Jon Snow escaping beyond the wall. Like that happened in the book. <laughs> Never happened in the film at all. Like I guess they just walked back. Is what happened. Maybe it was too hard with CGI. Who knows? Yeah. I have not, no idea. Like who knows? Um, 
also, like when Harry sees Quirrell slash Voldemort in the forest drinking the unicorn blood, like he starts having visions of that green light and his scar is like burning. Like it's like hurting really bad. Like in the film, like I said, he was just like, ah, <laughs> ah man, <sighs> sore, tender. It's like it's, <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> Like, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, then uh, the other big one was, I'll, after I'll, this, I'll let you take it away. We talked about this last week. Devil Snare. <laughs> Devil Snare, baby. Um, in the book, so Hermione kills it with fire. Um, in the film, she, like, tells Ron to relax, and that's when she, like, shoots the spell up into the sky and the sunlight comes out because I guess that's its weakness apparently they just pull that out of their rear end like I don't know where (laughs) that came from and then it like dissipates and Ron falls down in the book it was so much cooler like she shot out like the fire and it like burned it up and stuff Um, so I thought that was that was really cool Um, and also real quick in the key room they all in the book uh, so Harry, Ron, and Hermione, uh, they all three got on brooms. Whereas, like, Harry just, like, got on it to save the day in this yep. room. So I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is exactly what I have here. <laughs> there was, like, two things that I just had different that, like, the detention in the forest only included Harry, Hermione, Neville, and Draco, not Ron. I believe Ron was in part of the detention in the movie. Um, I think again more about them trying to overblow the the importance of the three main characters, mm-hmm. um, and then also like there was a switch. Remember in the books at the beginning, it, uh, it was Draco, Neville, and Fang. They were together and they went one direction, and then uh, Malfoy scared Neville and sent up the red sparks, and that's what made Hagrid go over there, grab them, and said, "All right, Harry." he won't be able to scare you go with Malfoy even though he's an idiot yeah. uh, then that's how they changed up there and then that's why they that Harry ran into uh, Voldemort or Quirrell or both like one he was drinking the unicorn blood with Malfoy they didn't start that way they had to be switched up into those teams because Neville's a scaredy little cat so yeah. <laughs> uh, that's something there that was pretty uh, I, I thought maybe, maybe not wildly important but definitely noteworthy yeah no definitely um, definitely noteworthy yeah, and then so then now back to your point, just to add little uh, pieces of detail to what you've already said in terms of the Devil Snare. Devil Snare didn't get Hermione in the uh, in the book. It grabbed her ankle quickly, but she was able to get away fast before it was able to ensnare her and get to the side of the wall. Mm-hmm. And that's where she burned it with the blue flames that she used to set Snape's robes on fire. The blue yeah. flames burned the uh, plant. There was no like bottom floor that they fell through to. They just burned the plant so it could unwrap Harry and Ron, and they ran to the wall too, where they got out the side door. Right. So that was just a lot different than all right, relax, okay, and then they fall through to the bottom. Right. Like I don't know what we were doing there, guys. Um, <laughs> and then also to your point as well, uh, I wanted to add in the room with the keys. Yeah, they were all three on there, and they had like a plan. Like uh, Hermione was going to go below. And Ron was at the top, and Harry is trying to catch in the middle, basically trying to box in the key. They had like mm-hmm. a a whole teamwork thing where, like you said in the movie, it's just like I'm Harry, I'm gonna get it, <laughs> like you know. And it was like so. this one broom like sitting there for him, <laughs> kind of like, all right, hundred <laughs> percent. And um, let's see what where I got next. Uh, 
Yeah, so the, the next thing I've got that was big difference is Ron rides the, the chess knight in the movie where in the uh, book they actually take the place of the chess pieces. So mm-hmm. the that chess pieces good, yeah. move off the board and those three people just take... That's why it was so much worse in the book when Ron got struck because he didn't have the knight to take the brunt of the force. He got knocked the freak out with, <laughs> with <Yeah>. the queen <laughs> smashing him yeah. with her... And, uh, granite <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say so. remember um, just for the audience that doesn't remember because if they haven't watched the movie in a long time or even like read the book um, it was Hermione was a rook uh, Harry was a bishop and then Ron was a knight so just throwing that out there yeah yeah no, that was good that's good so I just thought that was funny and like a little bit difference there <laughs> um, and so Hermione stays with Ron after the chess piece in the movie right Mm-hmm. That's it. Like he's like, all right, Harry, you've got to go on. It's got to be you. And then all of a sudden, he's in the room with Quirrell. Where in the book, Hermione actually goes with him to the next test. Yeah. The next test was a troll. The troll was already unconscious, so they go into the next test, which was the uh, potion riddle mm-hmm. that Snape had put together. And that's when like they had the purple flame door behind, the black flame door ahead. You couldn't go back or forwards without taking one of the vials. But you know, some of the like, two of the vials would kill you. So like. That whole thing was just omitted from the movie. Like showing Hermione's logic and how she solved the riddle and all the vials would have been very cool. It wouldn't have taken that much to do, and they just decided that wasn't important enough. Like that wasn't cool yeah. enough or something. They were like, "Yeah, you know what? They don't need to see that. The wizard's chest was good enough. You know, we'll just go ahead and take it through." Like, are you kidding me? That was one of like that was really important because Huge. remember every like there was uh, seven people who had a um, defense to guard the sorcerer's stone we had professor well obviously we had hagrid with fluffy we had professor sprout with devil snare we had professor flitwick who made the keys fly and enchanted them we had mcgonagall transfigure the chessboard we had uh professor quirrell with the troll we had snape with the potions and we had dumbledore with the mirror said so like that's really important. You can't just skip over this stuff. Like yeah. seven is a magical number. Like seven is a really big number in the magical community. And like having them go through all those trials and how really well protected this stone was really led to the to how dangerous Voldemort really is too. How he was able to get past all those as a shadow of himself, literally a shadow and vapor who was able to attach onto the back of his head. So yeah, literally. That's <laughs> what I'll go ahead and turn it over to you because that gets me angry, and I'm gonna let you go on there before I go into a rant. <laughs> page i was uh a quick question too because wouldn't it be kind of cool what if the troll wasn't already knocked out right what if hermione and ron or ron harry ron's sorry ron you're gonna have to sit this one out he's (laughs) unconscious he's unconscious on the chessboard (laughs) yeah what if harry and and hermione got to that troll it would be a cool moment if like Harry and Hermione took him on because she had that moment where it was like, I don't need to be petrified anymore because at least I have one of my friends here. Like, that would kind of be a cool moment. Now, at the same time, they're already beat to hell and back. Like, you're going to go take on a troll? So, I guess, like, they lucked out on that one. So, I'm willing to accept it. Um, Just touch And what's crazy... Sorry. Oh, the only thing I was what's crazy too is like they mentioned that that troll was even bigger than the one that was in yeah. the Halloween. Like they said, much larger than the twelve foot troll that came in for Halloween. So which, like I that's said, pretty crazy. you heard this on the podcast first. An awesome. Imagine this horror night's house. 
What if it was a Horror Nights house set up just like Sorcerer's Stone, where you had to go through each of the levels? Like, That'd be so cool. So cool. Or like the chess pieces. And as you're walking through it, like you don't know what's real and what's not. And the chess pieces move. And then you get to the end and there's like the sleeping troll. And you're just like, what? What? Yeah. That would be so sick, man. Like That yeah. would be awesome. That'd be cool. And that actually just made me think of something, too, because at the very start, the whole thing starts with Fluffy, the three-headed dog. Making that somehow Mm -hmm. a huge monster, like animatronic three-headed dog would be badass. But also, it made me think of something that I wanted to add as well, is uh, in the books, they use the wooden flute that Hagrid gave Harry for Christmas to put Fluffy to sleep, where in the movies, the harp was just still playing, and they didn't have any sort of musical instrument. It was just their dumb luck that they got there while the harp was still playing in the movie. That doesn't make sense. That's stupid. Uh, So that one thing I wanted to label as well is the wooden flute is what, in the books, Harry, Ron, and Hermione used to put Fluffy to sleep so they got down to the devil's snare. But it's all you from here, my man. Um, I was just going to touch up on, (laughs) you know, when in the book, Ron got bashed with that club. One thing that was very visual, vivid to me was when the queen was dragging him off the chessboard. <laughs> like, I was like, what? <laughs> like, it, like, dragged him off the board and came back to its spot. I was like, now that is badass. Like, that is badass. And then in the in the film, too, I thought it was cool as well. Like, it was cool the way they did I'm it. pulling a great debate card, sir. Go for it. Go for, man, you used all your cards already. <laughs> Boom! I mean, we're almost done. We got the, you know, we're at the very end of the differences, yeah, really. Uh, but no, the great debate I wanted to throw out here, because I've got a question. If, because we saw both in the movies and in the books, this is why I have a question on it, because it was kind of similar in terms of the way it was portrayed. When they played Wizard's Chess, if Quirrell had to play Wizard's Chess right before them, how was there not? How was there any chess pieces left to play chess with? Like, weren't they be all destroyed by that time yeah. after him? <laughs> like, if he had to go through all those trials himself, like, how is there even a chessboard left? Or do they just regenerate themselves after like you pass the test? But that wouldn't make any sense, because why would you need to regenerate them if they already got past your enchantment? Like you, your thing already failed. There's no point to restart it. Like you, you've, your your protection sucked. So my debate is, is like, you know, how did you know there? How was there any chess pieces left to play chess with if Quirrell had to go through all of those uh, trials himself? So that's funny you mentioned that because. When I was doing research actually for something else, it was actually when I was looking up like what the other like Ollivander competitions were. Someone said this on a discussion board. I can't validate this at all. Like this isn't from what I'm about to say. This is just what this person's opinion is. So maybe it'll like fan speculation. Yeah. Like back a reason. Right. This isn't from JK Rowling. Like, all the information Josh and I present to you is from a valid source. Like, I don't just, we don't go pull crap off Wikipedia. Like, that's or if, not like, or we'll do. say, or we'll go out of our way to say, hey, this is just fan speculation. Like, well, if, if it's not something that we've gotten, we'll, we'll at least tell you guys ahead of time, like, hey, this isn't like official source. This is just what the, like, you know, a fan theory is or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, 100%. Um, but what I heard, let me see, because I actually. I wondered if I even like wrote something about that down. Yeah, I didn't even write it down because I remember when I was reading it, 
But basically, like, the speculation on that was because, actually going into what I was saying, how the queen dragged Ron off the board and went back to her spot, was it's because they were supposed to be lining back up to reset themselves. So the reason you never saw them destroyed, like the film, was because in the book it was actually regenerating itself. But as far as the film, I can't even, like, defend that at all. Like, there's no defending that. Like, all those pieces should have been gone. Unless they magically just came from, like, the room of requirements. Just, like, magically came down somehow. But as far as the book, the speculation is what I would say, based on how she dragged Ron off the board and didn't kill him with that big ass club thing i guess it's because they were trying to reset themselves i would say and so here in the book i actually have this page in two page 282 uh so ron started to direct the black pieces they moved silently wherever he sent them harry's knees were trembling what if they lost harry moved diagonally four squares to the right their first real shock came when the uh, when their other knight was taken the White Queen smashed him to the floor and dragged him <laughs> off the board where he lay quite still, face down. So that makes it even seem in the book like they die. Yeah, <laughs> like they I... just like that's it. Like that that you know they are a bunch of. Um, let me see if they actually said something else too. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, every time one of their men was lost, the white pieces showed no mercy. Soon there was a huddle of limp black players slumped along the wall. Like, they were, like, dead just laying there on the side. So, like, I don't know. Do they just, like, come to after a while in the book? They're like, oh, okay. Now we're not unconscious anymore. Let's get back to our thing. Like, I just don't know, man. That's my debate. Is like, what do you think uh, is the case? Like, how did Quirrell, like go through it and then all of a sudden there's a perfect chessboard that they have to play through as if Quirrell didn't just play through one like I don't know man <laughs> I, it doesn't make any sense <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me the only thing I can speculate is they reset themselves but now that they're smashed in two and stuff I mean unless he like found another door and went past that chessboard which definitely wasn't the case because it showed like he was leaving traces through every step. So unless he could like warg into a dementor and just like fly through the door or something, I don't know, man. I got that's one I don't ever get stumped on debates, but that's based on what I read, that's the only speculation I can even have for this. And I can't even defend the film. Like the film I was gonna say, I actually liked the part. Where the queen like pulled out a sword and stabbed the knight, and, like Ron like fell ridiculous cheesy slow motion, but Ron like fell to his doom as everyone was looking and they're like, "Remember, we're still playing." When Hermione goes to like save him, a little bit of foreshadowing. She was like, gonna go rescue her, her Romeo. Oh, where are yeah, you, right? Romeo? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. You got me stumped on that one. You definitely win that debate because I can't. That's a very good point because I was wondering that myself. I just figured maybe I was missing something. Yeah, I don't know, man. I guess that my my best guess would be that maybe Quirrell is able to move the pieces with his wand. He's a more skilled wizard, and maybe he's able to move the pieces with his wand and instead of having them destroyed, like he's able to uh, make them go off on his own. I don't know, but even that doesn't make sense because Professor McGonagall is like the most accomplished transfiguration, like 
woman in the Harry Potter universe. So, like, you think that she wouldn't have been able to... Because only people that would try to steal the Sorcerer's Stone are accomplished wizards. It's not yeah. like they're expecting 11-year-olds who don't know magic to steal it. They're expecting someone like Voldemort or, like, a dark wizard to try to steal it. So, of course, they got to make it hard. Like, the best of the best. So, like, yeah, that doesn't even make sense either, man. I don't know. I, I think that's just... Uh, maybe we chalk it up to a plot hole. Maybe J.K. Rowling, if you're listening, you can give us an insight. Love to hear it. But... um yeah, man, I got all that, that debates off to the shell realm, and I'll let you uh, take it away, brother. Yeah, man. and Malice in the Chalice. Boom, <laughs> I'm boom. Using it, man, because I just thought of this. So kind of ridiculous, but you know how they talk about brooms, like how we went through the history of the racing broom and stuff. You yeah. know, Hocus Pocus, how they have vacuum cleaners and mops. That's what yeah. I want to know, man. Like that would be. I hate to use this word, but that would be, well, no, we'll just stick with awesome. We'll watch, you know, all our audience members. That would be freaking epic is what that would be, man. That would be sick. If I saw Harry racing on a mop <laughs> and Hermione picked up a vacuum cleaner, I'd be like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be Get awesome. Get out your broom, baby, because we're about to clean house. <laughs> it's game time. It would be, oh, it'd be so epic. I, w- I would love every minute on it. I would love every minute on it. Dooley dilly. <laughs> yeah. It would Cheers, be, brother. It'd be great. But also on this point, real quick, too, uh, how we were talking about character portrayals in books and how they're different than the films. That was a thing with Game of Thrones we talked about on this show, too, because I feel like in the books, and I love, you know, and I hate to keep bringing up Game of Thrones because I've tried to get away from that now that we're gone from that this year. But Danny has always been my girl, and I love Amelia Clark. But in the book, she seemed like so much more badass. So that was just another thing I would say. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, you mentioned uh, Game Boy games. What were your top five Game Boy games growing up? If you're just talking Game Boy specifically, literally the only thing I played were the Pokemon games on Game Boy. Uh, I had I started with Pokemon Red and Blue. I got the yellow version when it came out just a touch later. Then I went up to Gold, Silver, and Crystal. And then from there I went to Ruby and Sapphire. And that's kind of where I ended. I didn't go any further than Ruby and Sapphire uh, and Emerald. Um, but I had every generation from red and blue to gold and silver to ruby and sapphire. And then the ones that they had, like the whole knockoff ones that are similar, but just a little touch different, which would be crystal version for the, uh, red and I'm sorry, the uh, gold and silver era, the uh, yellow version for the red and blue era, and then the emerald version for the ruby and sapphire era. So honestly, I did not have any other Game Boy game other than, uh, other than Pokemon, I think I played a Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone game. On yeah, it. that was um, good too. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's pretty much it, man. What about you? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, well, you can throw in. Did you play PlayStation at all? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mention PlayStation. Whatever your top five, I guess, video gaming, whatever they were when you were a kid. Dude, that's such that's such a good question because like. I think, you know, remember those like old things that people would do on social media where they would list them? I believe that's one of the things that uh, I actually went ahead, because I, I never <laughs> post on social media really ever. Chase knows that about me. I, I'm like a, a, like a ghost on there. <laughs> but my top five like uh, all-time games, if like just, just talking about video games in general on multiple consoles, uh, my number one is Pokemon Red and Blue on Game Boy Color. My number two was God of War for PS2. My number three was the Crash Bandicoot series for PlayStation 1. Yeah, that was good. 
That was awesome. Yeah, my number four was the ESPN NFL 2K5 for the original Xbox. And then my number five were the Madden series, all for PS2, Xbox 360, and now Xbox yeah. One as well. I'm so telling those you, are my top five. Time, didn't you beat me like a hundred, like zero or something one day? Josh, <laughs> it was like, a lot. Mutilated me bad one day, and now I thought like I was fine. And then there was like a 30 seconds left. I was like, I'm just gonna run out the clock. And then he forced a fumble, <laughs> like returned <laughs> it again for another one. But no, I, I like it. They um, let's see. Actually, funny story. I used to have. Do you remember the Dragon Ball Z game for like Game Boy Advance or whatever that came out? That was like you could do the Kamehameha Blast or whatever. Um, I remember it on like the consoles. I don't remember it on the game like Budokai and uh, uh, that one. Like I remember those on like the consoles. I don't remember them in the Advance. Uh, I didn't ever play them on the Advance. Gotcha. It had like just came out on the Advance or something. But same thing. I guess my top probably would be pokemon red i used to crush that game like i, I crushed it man i had the blastoise so i destroyed oh i was like get out of here gtsfo <laughs> anyways <laughs> sensory but um then uh i would say actually do you remember the game banjo kazooie on like the n64 wow that's a name i haven't heard in a very long time banjo, i used to destroy that and you fought like the witch and stuff speaking of wiz- witches man um definitely top uh zelda orcarina of time i used to destroy uh, went through all the temples got the water shoes the hover shoes all the tunics the master sword I was epic. Um, Jack and Daxter, actually. I played Jack and Daxter 2 all in one game, all in one day. And then I guess my final one would be Kingdom Hearts 1. Kingdom Hearts 1. That was, like, classic. Like, I never really got too much into, like, 2 and 3 and stuff. I bought 3 just for a sense of nostalgia and never opened it. It's still on my shelf. (laughs) Like, just because people were talking about it down here because we live next to Disney. I'm like, eh. You know, I got money nowadays, but it's like now that you have the money versus, like, when you're a kid – you know, you'd work, you'd clean uh, your room like a thousand times, mow the yard like all summer for like 30 bucks just to buy this like game you wanted. Now, like we have the money to buy it. So I like bought it and I never actually played it. Like it's still in the plastic. So uh, I would say, yeah, what I say? Pokemon Red, the Dragon Ball Z, Game Boy Advance with Goku. Then I had uh, Banjo-Kazooie, Zelda Orcarina of Time. And then the final one was, um, what did I just say? I just told you. Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts 1. Yeah, so that would be my top five. So, Mouse and the Chalice, I had to use it. Haven't used it a long time. Off to the Shadow Realm for you. Love it. Good stuff, man. I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I mean, I only have two more bullet points of, like, major differences uh, for the rest of it. The next thing I have is, like, in the book when Harry finally confronts uh, Quirrell, at the very end by the uh, mirror of Erised. Uh in the books the ropes wrap him up like yeah. he, he like he, like Quirrell snaps his hands and like ropes like like bind Harry he even tries to move and falls down because he tries to make he tried to keep talking so Quirrell can't focus on the mirror where in the movies he's just standing there <laughs> like hey what's going on <laughs> you know we don't learn anything about like you know that that's the point in time where uh, he thought it was Snape, and then he's like, "Well, you know, Harry hated uh, your. Um, I'm sorry, Snape hated your dad uh, while your dad was at school. You know, like that's just something that didn't come up there. 
um, in the movie. And then the last thing I have before I let you finish off your differences is like the shadow Voldemort running through Harry in the movie. That was weird. Like, like, yeah. like <laughs> it comes off of Curl's head because he like burns to ashes. Where like <laughs> that does not happen in the books. That's something that I guess they just kind of added for their own effect in the movie. So after Quirrell turns like very reminded me very similar of like the Thanos snap almost yeah. when they just kind of disintegrated into like whatever. So I guess once that was done, Voldemort was in his vapor form and like passed through Harry, <laughs> and that's when Harry like fell back and passed out. Yeah. Where that's not the case of what happened in the book. What happened in the book was like way more climatic. Like Quirrell was on top of him trying to choke him and kill him, and as he was trying to choke him, his hands were blistering up and burning. And so uh, Voldemort tells Quirrell to kill him with like a like a, being a, like an adult mad like a wizard trying to kill Harry. He goes to say like, like a perform a curse, and Harry puts his hands on his face, and his face starts burning. And then he try to get, like knocks his hand off, and Harry grabs onto his wrist and holds on for dear life. Because while he's doing this, Harry's scar is bursting into pain, and he can't yeah. like see. Like then the pain is making him like lose consciousness and passing out from how bad it's like he's in agony and finally he holds on till at the very end like he feels like Quirrell's arm wrenched from his grasp and he just he said he knew all was lost and he passed down he woke up in the hospital wing like that's so much crazier than what happened in the movie and you know, obviously Dumbledore is the one that got there in time. So Great. awesome. I that, summon good. With the gods of the underworld. Power level over 9,000, baby. The great debate card. Oh, Perfect. yeah. Based on Just in time, because that, that finished my differences, man. So I'm good. Go for it, bro. You all in. So my great debate on that is when, you know, his scar was burning. So there is a part we're not going to give away spoilers. This is a really long time from now. We'll actually talk about this. Um, but my debate here is based on another book that happens a long time from now that's in this series was Voldemort through the scar actually trying to possess Harry in that vapor moment I don't know but what is kind of crazy is that Voldemort could read Harry's mind because remember he said he's lying like it's in his pocket like in the book and he literally says the stone's in his pocket so he could read Harry's mind even in like his destroyed vapor form which is a really a big testament to how powerful of a of a wizard that Voldemort was but in terms of was he trying to possess him through it I don't know because I think that if that was the case what was the point of having like Quirrell like blistering up like it just seemed like any time because remember his scar started hurting heavy in the forest first Right when any it's like anytime Voldemort's near, it's not necessarily like they, they gotta be touching. I just think the closer the proximity they are to each other, yeah. the worse it hurts because okay. like he's the one that caused the 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 scar. So I don't think he was trying to possess him per se, but uh, I think it's still pretty uh, important to note how powerful of a dark wizard that Voldemort was and was able to read Harry's mind even in uh, yeah. his uh, vapor form. But I don't know, man. What do you think? You think he was trying to possess him through it? It just doesn't seem. Like he would be able to do that. Like everyone knows Harry. Like everyone would know like Harry would have nothing to do with any sort of like dark magic. I don't know. It, see, it's a it's a tough question because my initial thought says no. Right, my initial thought says definitely not. The catch is here's my reasons why it could be plausible. I don't think so, but it really makes you question whether or not this is what was happening because 
Voldemort was in a vapor state. At this point, you have a coral that is getting blistered up, which I pictured like, you know, just blisters, like with pus yeah. and stuff everywhere. Nasty. Yep. Um, and then Harry's scar is burning, which we find out what, you know, all that stuff is much later on. Um, but it's like we know Voldemort has that power and he needed a body at that point to thrive. And. I mean, Harry was only 11, but maybe if you think, you know, you're already so connected to this person and this person's so young and he's already been resist, able to resist my power. If I'm able to possess this person and it's this person, I'm unstoppable. Like I can easily take on Dumbledore or whatever's in my face because so I could think it's plausible. I don't think that's the case. Um but it, it just makes it interesting. And I, to back up your point, I don't think it is the case because Voldemort said kill him. Like, why would right. you kill someone if you're trying to possess him? So I just thought it was interesting. Um, off On to top the of that. Realm, but yeah. Well, before you throw off to the Shadow Realm, I just want to put one more piece of evidence to why I think the way I think. Like, keep in mind, now that they knew Voldemort like, uh, possessed Professor Quirrell, there was no way they wouldn't give Harry a full, thorough, like, in, like inspection, like, after that whole situation. You know, Dumbledore, like, they're all going to make sure that they have all the best magic protecting Harry and, like, at least making sure nothing bad happened to him, like, something like that, like a possession. Like, Dumbledore is the know? first one he woke up to in the hospital wing. You know what I mean? So, like, I just <laughs> think that if that was the case, Voldemort would be really dumb to do that because at that point in time him being so close to Dumbledore, Harry being so close to Dumbledore, uh, they, he would be able to know. You know, I, I think that uh, it yeah. would be a foolish move on his part because at that point, I bet Dumbledore could probably figure out a way to stop Voldemort from ever coming back if he just latched on to Harry because, you know, he would he would know at that point. So I think so because they already, like, you know, think about it. Well, it's like, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on or Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right, yeah. so because like like hey, you got me with Professor Quirrell. I didn't see that coming. Well, now what? I'm looking at everyone, making sure they're not possessed. Right, yeah, so right, which which I I can buy. My only thing is, you know, Dumbledore did like buy a letter apparently. <laughs> like he uh, yeah he went off the seat of his pants on a letter. But okay, uh, off to the shadow realms with you. That was good stuff, man. I didn't think we that was cool. Cards that quick um that was cool just some other quick differences not much uh you hit pretty much all of them uh that were very similar to mine um just one was remember when Quirrell uh turns around so in the film he actually sees Voldemort's reflection in the mirror whereas yeah. in the book like he actually sees him when he takes it off turns around and he like backs up towards him we talked a little bit about that last week um also like in the book quirrell snaps is um it, like when you were talking about the ropes right in the film it was like fire or something like he like snapped his fingers or something like fire came up uh so like he couldn't go anywhere by the way i did want to say this if y'all listen to that five hour episode of my rewrite i read it online I knew I was remembering something like this from somewhere because there's a part in my rewrite where it's just like this. Arya is getting pulled into the ground by the chains from the the face. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so just throwing that out there. But um, other quick things uh, was 
Um, in the book, Harry's parents appeared in the mirror of um, uh, Eriset, which was near Voldemort at the time. Um, and, you know, he said he was saying, like, he can help him bring them back uh, if he returned the stone to Voldemort. Um, whereas Voldemort, uh, like the, I guess in the movie, I think, uh, tells him to just give him the stone so, like, his mother didn't die in vain. So I wrote that down. It wasn't that big of a deal, but uh, that was just a little bit of a difference. Um, well, one thing I want to touch on there, because I'm at the part, page 292 of the book, uh, his parents are never mentioned in the book being in the mirror at that point in time with Voldemort there. So okay. this is what he, this is what Harry sees when he looks into it. He says, uh, Quirrell moved close behind him. Harry breathed in the funny smell that seemed to come from Quirrell's turban. He closed his eyes, stepped in front of the mirror, and opened them again. He saw his reflection, pale and scared looking at first, but a moment later, the reflection smiled back at him. It put its hand into his pocket, pulled out a blood-red stone. It winked and put the stone back in its pocket, and as it did so, Harry felt something heavy drop into his real pocket. Somehow, he'd incredibly gotten the stone. So it doesn't show yeah, that. Okay, uh, so they weren't there. Yeah. But I know he said something about it. Though. Yeah, he mentioned his parents, like you know, your your mother needed. Yeah, your your father fought bravely, but your mother didn't Got need it. to die, you know, because she was trying to protect you. Like so, that's what he's like. Don't let your mother's death be in vain. So yeah, but yeah, they weren't in the mirror, but yes, that they, they were mentioned. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm just looking at bullet points here. Keep in mind, so I'm trying to go off memory. But yeah, there <laughs> was something like that. That he yeah, said. I got you, bro. Yeah, so. Jay Nelly with the assist. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> uh, so stand corrected there. Um, I did put, uh, you mentioned the blister thing, but I did put like, you know, how he was becoming unconscious when he woke up in the hospital there. Um, you know, not very big of a difference, but in the book, um, Dumbledore mentions that Nicholas Fennell, Fennell and Prunelli would die. Pernelli was never mentioned in the yeah. movie at all. So um, just brought that up. Also, like Hagrid gives him the photo book album at the hospital in the book. Whereas like in yep. the movie, he gave it to him before he got back on the train. Um, That's a good point. Yep. Yeah. Um, also, the last one here, which I'll tell you a quick little story about this one, because I did. Uh, I found out a cool thing about this when I researched it. So in the book. <clears throat> they have that epilogue that we were talking about last week where Hermione um, sees Uncle Vernon and it's like, uh, you have a good summer, <laughs> like once they see them, and that never happened in the film. So I didn't know this. So they actually had filmed this scene, and uh, they had Hermione there, did it just like the book. I didn't know that. They had Emma Watson. They did the whole scene with Uncle Vernon. And then the director didn't feel like it really fit. So they cut it and they were going to put it as a deleted scene on like the DVD and stuff. And then they just got rid of it because they thought it sounded dumb. But like it's in the book. So like the least <laughs> you can do is put it on a deleted scene. But yeah, it was actually filmed, uh, which was cool. That is but pretty that cool. That was just my last uh, difference there I had. That's awesome. Yeah, I've got all my differences too. That's a great point with Hagrid giving Harry Potter the uh, photo album of his parents. Because I like, remember... He actually uh, sent owls out asking people who were in Harry's parents' like class at Hogwarts for picture any pictures they may have had with them in it, and so that that's a really important photo album because like yeah. 
Harry was so choked up he didn't even have words to thank Hagrid, but it said Hagrid understood, mm-hmm. right? So that was an awesome time. And you're right that they, they put that in the hospital wing instead at the movie. It's like here you go, have a great summer. Here's a photo album with your parents. <laughs> like you know, it was less. Yeah, it was really have a interesting. Great summer. <laughs> so what I think we should do to close out this episode, bro. I think we should give both the Sorcerer's Stone, the book, a ranking from 1 to 10, and Sorcerer's Stone, the movie, a ranking from 1 to 10. Uh, I'll go first. I, I will give Sorcerer's Stone, the book, uh, 7.8 out of 10. I will give Sorcerer's Stone, the movie, a 5.6 out of 10. <laughs> wow, that was pretty... I mean, that's... That's pretty fair, I would say, for the movie. Um, And I'm really looking forward to when, luckily, this arc isn't over for a long time because then we'll be able to rank the movie, the books against other books. Yeah. Movies against other movies. Um, I would rank the book. I would give the book an eight. Like, I would give it a solid eight because, like, Here's the thing. I didn't like how child vocabulary was like through there. Like it wasn't, but it, at the same time, it sold me with how descriptive it was. And its point was to be for these children. And you were able to get a lot of information and be efficient in there and establish this entire universe versus J.R.R. Tolkien or George R.R. Martin. You took up 30 pages describing a leaf. So, like, I gotta give. Joanna Rowling, I gotta give her credit on that. That was pretty impressive to me. Um, and being descriptive where you can use your imagination. So I give the book an 8. A movie back when I saw it in 2000, when I was a kid, I gave it a 10, man. Like, I thought it was <laughs> phenomenal. I went back and watched it. I give it a 6.5 because I should rank it lower than that. But I love Hermione Granger. It's Leviosa, not Leviosar. And I think she is phenomenal because she has got that little spicy pompousness that every girl in fourth grade, if it's like the girl you had a crush on in the fourth grade and watched that, like their hot stuff, so they won't talk to you, but secretly they have a crush. That's kind of like who Hermione Granger was. That's why I rank her number one. But overall, and I, I like the guy that played Albus Dumbledore. Uh, like Harry, you know, I thought Daniel Radcliffe, like, let's be real, Daniel Radcliffe, his acting ability is not the best. He is no Leonardo DiCaprio, I'm sorry. But, like, the look, he does have the look there. So I give it, I give it a 7.5, but that's, well, what did I say? 6.5, sorry. 6.5, but that's being generous. Like, I'd probably give it a 6, but because of Hermione Granger alone and emma watson and she's awesome i get a 6.5 awesome well there's our reviews for it i gave uh the book a 7.8 and i gave the movie a 5.6 chase gave the book a flat 8 and the movie a 6.5 so uh perfect man well i i think that we did some awesome stuff here today closing out sorcerer's stone Uh, I think it's about that time where we uh, say thank you to the audience and tell them that uh, this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing off.